You're listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. So here we are, ready or not, it's the new year. Uh, We're going to look at Matthew 2, chapter 2 today. If you have your Bibles, you can read, but as always... Um, we have it printed in the order of worship for your convenience, but it's going to be Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to look at 1 through 12, uh, the story of the, the Magi or the wise men coming uh, to, to see Jesus. So it is the beginning of a new year, but this is also a time, and a lot of people don't talk about this, but it's been like this for a long time in the history of the church uh, between Christmas, but also a time period called Epiphany. Um, do you still have your tree up or your Christmas decorations up? If you do, you have done the right thing. Here's the reason why. The 12 days of Christmas are not before Christmas. They are after Christmas. And then after that, the epiphany. So just remember that. If you did, you did it wrong, do it right next year. Uh, but it ushers a week that generally the church doesn't talk about or people don't talk about uh, called epiphany. It's the time of the year in the history of the church that people just let Christmas soak in before they move into the new year. But now, immediately during the first of the year, we think in terms of resolutions. Do you have resolutions this year? Or maybe right now you just kind of feel in limbo. It's right after Christmas, you're trying to take your breath. Or are you looking, are you looking forward to the new year or not? Uh, maybe all the above. Maybe you have mixed emotions about all of this. But no matter what, you're in the right place today and for the right place for our passage today. So let's look at our passage in Matthew 2, 2 through 12. It says this, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Then Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the the chief priests and the scribes and the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For it shall be you that will come a ruler and will be shepherd to my people Israel. Look at verse 7. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and he ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I may too come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went their way, and behold, a star that they had seen, when it rose again, led them, uh, er, sorry, when it rose again, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And they saw the star, and they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going to the house, they saw the child with Mary's mother, and they fell down, and they worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their country by another way. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. Father God, open our eyes today. Give us an epiphany, not, not in some magical way, but reveal to us what you would have us to think uh, and understand and know for the beginning of this new year from this passage. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So both, for most of us, the beginning of the new year tends to focus our attention on the future. Uh, for some of us, we express that through New Year's resolutions. Uh, it's funny, uh, I talk to a lot of people, it seems like they're not neutral about New Year's resolutions. Either they love them or they hate them. Uh, but but it, it's all about, at the beginning of the year, we at least are thinking about the New Year in terms of intentions that we have for our life and the plans that we make. Other of us don't have resolutions, but we have kind of these hopes and these wishes for the coming year. And we consider the possibility of, of what maybe this year would hold, especially in terms of being better than the year before us. Some of us just want a clean slate, a fresh start, a new beginning. So, right here in the beginning of the new year, let me ask you this. What resolutions have you made? What are your intentions and plans? What are your hopes and wishes? Maybe you haven't thought about it. Think about it right now. Maybe it's about your weight or your marriage or your prayer life or taking more time off, or spending more time with family. Or maybe you want to be more generous, or, uh, or less judgmental, or less angry like me all the time. Maybe you don't want to hire hostility. Maybe you have a tendency to resent things. Maybe you just want to get healthier, spiritually, emotionally. Uh, maybe you just want to live simple, more simple. You want, to, you want it not to be so chaotic, not so busy. Maybe it's deeper things like, man, I just want to let go of my, my need for approval or feel like I gotta perform for people all the time. Maybe you're just tired of life, and you're tired of work, and you just want a little peace and joy and just a little bit of hope. Or maybe here's the crazy thing. Maybe none of us know what we want for sure. You might be wondering, what does this have to do with epiphany? What is epiphany all about? Why, what should we be thinking about in entering a new year? What does the Bible say about times like what we're in right now? Well, we're going to look at three points from the passage. If you look at the uh, sermon outline in the order of worship, we're going to talk about how true epiphany leads to movement, true epiphany leads to acknowledgement, and then true epiphany leads to worship. So let's look at the first point here. True epiphany leads to movement. It says uh, in the beginning of our passage here, chapter 2, verse 1 says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that has been born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star, and when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now this idea, before we get into this, this idea of epiphany um, is an interesting word. In some ways, it is and it isn't like the word Eureka. Um, those moments, though, but when they all come together, uh, Eureka is, is translated, I found it. Uh, and you've heard people talk about that the, before, like moments of, of, of discovery in history. Um, I've shared this with you all before, but over 2,000 years ago, there's a man named Archimedes and who, who is said to have invented Eureka, the idea of, of Eureka moment. He, he sits down in the bathtub, and he knows the water goes up when he slides in, corresponding to his weight. So he invents this idea and formula for water displacement as a result. And as the story goes, he jumps out of the bathtub, and he runs around town naked shouting, Eureka, or I found it. Uh, and then we have guys like Isaac Newton, 
uh, who we know just simply saw an apple fall from a tree, something that so ordinary that people had seen time and time again, yet after seeing how they followed a straight line, spent several years working on the mathematics, showing the force of gravity uh, and, and all those things and the science behind it. We're not going to discuss all the math and science behind it. Uh, I mean, math and science, people may say, yeah, it's the inverse square of the distance. Okay, good for y'all. We didn't all know that. Uh, but it changed the world forever. Now moving back to the passage, the wise men are not just about to have a eureka moment. They had an epiphany, meaning something was made manifest to them, a revelation from God, something that God had revealed in an unmistakable way. Now there's a famous song called We Three Kings, and these kings are supposed to kind of represent the wise men here. Uh, unfortunately, the depiction of that song uh, uh, kind of takes liberties with the text. Uh, Matthew never says how many wise men came uh, to see the Messiah. Uh, the tradition of the three wise men probably comes from the three gifts that were mentioned, you know, gold, myrrh, frankincense. That's probably where they got the three from uh, mentioned in the Bible. The Bible also says they're magi, they're wise men. It never says they're kings. Uh, so then who are these guys? Who are the wise men here? Well, we really don't know for sure, specifically. We do know they're from the east in Judea, of, of Judea. Um, so they're either from Persia or Babylon or Arabia. Um, all these are possible countries that they could have been from. The original term magi that refers to wise men is this group of people out in, in, in kind of the Orient that are predicting future by way of dreams, magic, and other methods like astronomy and astrology, which explain their interest in the stars. And you're thinking, why did God reveal it to them? Well, see, here's the thing. They weren't the religious people. They, they weren't the people uh, that even understood the significance of the king of the Jews like all these other people were going to have. But here's the kicker. All the time they think they were seeking the Christ child, but it was really the child seeking them. See, the star of the Magi was the call of Christ to these people that may have never heard of Christ. Even though they've been traveling alone all the way from the east, they are, like us, were never traveling alone. Although Jesus was with them and drawing them, he was, he was doing it even as a child. His word and his presence appeared in their eyes like a star. It was made manifest in that way. To their minds, it was this power that was calling them to get up and go, to go somewhere. And in their hearts, there's this longing and desire that God had put in them. So maybe if we're thinking about epiphanies, like we should think about epiphany, are these little prompts by God, or maybe big prompts by God, they're little things by which God expresses his longing and desires for each of us that don't originate with us. Maybe they're, they're God's calling and guiding us to them. Maybe epiphany is not as much of, aha, I've got it, I see something. But it's more along the lines of God awakening the deep desires of our hearts, touching our lives and our longings, and feels an absence that we never even knew we had at times. To know ourselves, to change our lives, to know ourselves in a different way, and to travel a different road in our life. And that's when we have to acknowledge, which brings us to point two, that it's not about us. It's about God probably doing something in our lives, which leads to the second point. True epiphany leads to acknowledgement. Look at verse 3. When Herod the king uh, heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Suddenly all the chief priests and the scribes and people, he inquired of them 
where the crisis can be born. Now we know this from the, the text, the full text. Herod's not looking to worship. Herod's looking to kill him. He looking, he, he's seeing this as competition. And they told him, they, they told him, like it's been prophesied in Bethlehem, Judea. That's what was written by the prophet. So apparently this star directed them in the general area of Palestine, not specifically to Bethlehem yet. And they go to Jerusalem first because that's the capital city. That would make sense. You would think the king was going to be born in the capital city of Palestine. And, they, and, and, and so they go to Jerusalem first and they say, we have no idea what you're talking about. That would be the first logical place to look for a newborn king. See, they don't know what they're searching for, but Matthew, the narrator, is putting all the pieces together for us. See, they were longing for something. And they followed as much as they knew at the time. And they mentioned it to Herod. And the religious folks, by using scripture, helped them fill in the gaps. They went to scripture to affirm what the wise men are looking for. I hear this all the time. People are like, I think I saw a sign from God. Or, or, or this is, I'll take this as a sign from God. I'm like, God has all these words in the Bible to help you interpret whatever you might be going through. Have you looked to that? Does it, does it, does it make sense of that? If it does, then maybe he is. If it runs counter to that, it's not from God. But see, in a way, all these things that, that, that made sense, they realized they're, they're not chasing a star anymore. It wasn't just some vague dream. It was God's revelation. They weren't looking for a star. They were looking for a person. And the Bible brought that all into focus. See, sometimes we don't know what we're searching for. We have these life experiences. We have these situations that we're confronted with. Sometimes in big ways that we sin, sometimes in small ways. But we need God and his word to help us make sense of it. Or we'll do all kinds of weird stuff with it. We'll think we're chasing the star when we really need Jesus. Which leads us to our last point. True epiphany leads to worship. Verse 7 says, um, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained, ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word that I may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went their way. Behold, the star that they had seen when they rose went over the place and it rested where the child was. And they saw the star. And when they saw the star again, they rejoiced, exceeding with great joy. And going to the house, they saw the child, the mother of Mary, and they fell down and they worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to be returned to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So King Herod, who's in charge at the time, sees these guys show up and calls the wise men to his court and he sends them out to find the baby. Now we know Herod's stated desire to say, I want to worship him is not true. It's a lie. But the Magi don't know that. They don't know his schemes and they go forth and, and, and search for the child. After seeing Herod, the star leads them to where the, the child is they re, or, and then they rejoice. So how does their mission end? How does their mission after all this journey end? Their epiphany, like all true epiphanies in life, and we talk about this all the time, we talk about the idea that all of life is worship, all true epiphanies, if they're true and real, as manifestations of revealed truth, lead you to God, not to religion. It leads you to God, a relationship. 
and to ultimately they bow down and they worship him and suddenly everything made sense. So that's the explanation from the passage today. But there's more practical points from this passage. And they start with a few questions. I just want to end with these today. What's absent from your life today? What are your deep longings and desires? What are you trying to fill them with? What's the word of God that you need to, like the star, give you a little light in your life today? Whatever you might think of as a longing that you have, or a journey that you're on, or a desire that you have, or an epiphany, that's the beginning. See, it's more than just trying here at the first of the year to try to feel emptiness or a resolution or just trying to improve yourself. God is saying, stop trying and see what I have done for you. That's the epiphany. See, God is calling you to himself. Like that star that, that shined before the wise men. God is doing the same thing in different ways in your life right now. It re represents the good father calling you and his longing and desire for you his calling for you like a beacon to bring you back to your center in the beginning of the year. Back to calling you home. Back to a deep relationship. God is calling you as his father to the place that you need to be. So maybe we need to think about everything at the beginning of the year not as our looking for something or our, need, our needing something but what if, what if we thought of it in terms of our sense of longing and our desire is really God's longing and desire for you. He's twisting it. Here's the final point. Think about this. Maybe this year it shouldn't start with resolutions. I don't, I don't care. If you want resolutions, that's fine. But if they became, become an idol or an end in themselves, you're going to be frustrated and unfulfilled no matter if you accomplish everything you want to accomplish this year. But maybe it shouldn't start with resolutions. Maybe it starts with receiving. See, suspending your agenda just for a minute and your ambitions for just a minute and looking for and listening to God's direction in your life. Because knowing what we know about God and knowing what we know about ourselves, we know we often lead ourselves astray, but God will not. See, we don't even know what's best for ourselves. We talked about that at the beginning of the sermon. God does. Trust yourself less this more, this year, and God will. <laughs> What if it's less about you doing the right thing and all the right things, but more about you learning to follow and lean and listen to God? Learn from his words that he's, that he's, that he's given you in the Bible. You want to talk about the greatest epiphany, the greatest revealed thing that's ever been done? Jesus Christ and his word. That's what it's been like. And then you hear and you receive what he's to say to you by way of his chosen and fulfilled path for you this year. And as I said before, let's trust ourselves less and God more than that year. You can't go wrong with that resolution. Let's pray. Father God, thank you um, that you have not left us wandering around like a bunch of orphans. We are adopted sons and daughters of a good father that's not trying to trick us or fool us. But if we would just stop and listen to what you have to say and read your word and spend time with you we begin to realize it's not about religion. It's about relationship. It's not about performance. But it's about the priestly work that Jesus did in his life, death, and resurrection. Help us to cling to that this new year and contemplate that as we enter this time of communion. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon.
We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.